welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, January 31st, 2024, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from our studios here in Birmingham, Alabama. And today we have the opportunity to have two awesome young ladies join us, uh, Miss Jana Lombardo and Miss Carla Thrasher, who serve effortlessly and tirelessly uh, with our international adoption programs. And so today, what we really wanted to talk about is the state of intercountry adoption. You know, it's around this time of the year that on most normal years, we would have the State of Union address. And <laughs> it's a it's a great time for us to talk about the state of intercountry adoption and international adoption. And we want to really dive into just some of the highlights and some of the things that we've seen over the last year that have been special, that have been impactful, but also want to look forward and say, what is the landscape coming in 2024? What are those countries? Countries where there are kids that are in need for forever homes. And uh, before we uh, do talk a little bit more and introduce Carla and, and Jana, I want to talk to you about the How to Fund Your Adoption ebook. For those seeking to adopt in the new year, today is the last day to take advantage of the $1,000 Hope Adoption Fund Scholarship for families applying for intercountry adoption. Begin the adoption process and apply for the scholarship by visiting lifelinechild.org. And then you will see tabs that will tell you how to make an application and to begin your adoption journey. Or you can always visit our show notes for the link. We also have produced an ebook to help families financially prepare for the journey of adoption. It's filled with tips, resources, contact information for grant organizations, and so much more. To receive this free ebook, see our show notes for the link, or you can always visit lifelinechild.org backslash international dash adoption. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash international dash adoption for more information. Well, like I said, we're so grateful to be joined by Ms. Carla Thrasher, and she's a graduate of the University of Alabama at Birmingham and a licensed social worker. She's also TBRI practitioner and certified with the TCU Karen Purvis Institute on Child Development. Carla has been on staff since 2021 and serves as the director of our international adoption programs. And in her role, she has the privilege to manage the day-to-day of our international programs and provide overarching leadership to our international team. Uh, Carla lives in Birmingham with her husband, Jamie, and they have three adult children. And uh, Carla is truly one of the the biggest cheerleaders here at Lifelines Ministry. But we're also joined by uh, Miss Jana Lombardo, um, and she is a licensed social worker who has served at Lifeline since she graduated from Auburn University. And she serves as the senior program director and embraces overseeing the international adoption programs, Leading and coaching teammates. Uh, and she began her full time uh, work here at Lifeline in domestic adoption and birth mother counseling and foster care. Uh, but from 2002 to 2019, she served as the Eurasia program director uh, before coming into the senior director role. She and her husband, Luke, have two boys and a beautiful daughter in law. Their oldest son graduated from the Capstone College of Nursing at the University of Alabama in May 2021 and is recently married. And their youngest son is currently studying aerospace space engineering at the University of Alabama. And of course, uh, there is the man that needs no introduction, uh, the silver haired and the slicked tongued one, the infamous Dr. Rick. Dr. Rick, we're grateful to have this opportunity to talk about intercountry adoption, which is near and dear to your heart, not only to celebrate, but to look forward. 
you know, after those introductions, I mean, that was that was pretty <laughs> impressive, ladies. Um, and I, I have to admit that um, with all those impressive credentials and all the years that you've invested in children and families, um, the, the, the greater privilege is just to be able to call you friends. And uh, we um, we're just we're so incredibly thankful for what the Lord has done and what the Lord continues to do in um, in in bringing children into forever families. And um, that obviously is uh, like it doesn't take much to get me started up and I'm probably gonna start crying here in a minute. But <laughs> I just you know, I, I think I say this probably every time we get together um, that you and the teams you lead are are heroes to me and my family. And we wouldn't be who we are um, without the investment of of you and people like you. And so I just before we get going, I just want to say thanks. And wow, it's 2024. But before we get there, <laughs> let's talk about 2023 a little bit, because we've got some stuff to celebrate. And uh, and and the Lord was was good uh, to us in international adoption. And so, Carla, could you maybe kind of lead out and talk a little bit about just some of the things we saw the Lord do in, in 2023 that we're celebrating. I'd love to, Rick, um, Dr. Rick. But first, I'm going to toss it right back to you that you and your family um, and families just like yours are heroes to us. Um, and we're grateful for your hearts and just for the way you serve the vulnerable in your home day in and day out. Um, but yeah, y'all celebrating 2023. So 2023 was the first year that we really, I think as a world, felt back from COVID. <laughs> and we saw our countries um, kind of emerging from, you know, where we all had been and just the isolation. We saw travel um, take off again. But specifically for Lifeline, um, in 2023, we relaunched our North Macedonia program. Mm. Jan and her Eurasia team worked so hard um, to relaunch that program. And just in 2023, we've seen seven families mm. um, apply to adopt. And y'all, that's huge for a relaunch program. Um, we also had the opportunity to host two groups of children from Columbia. Mm. Um, and those are just such amazing opportunities because we get to know those children um, and then are able to move into placing those children in families um, and are able to prepare those families so well because we've we've had the opportunity to host. And then lastly, um, I think we'd be remiss not to celebrate um, the movement that we saw in our China program mm. um, in 2023. While the program is not fully open, fully resumed at this point, we were able to see 10 children um, come home to families that had waited at this point almost three and a half to four years um, for these children. So that was, those were definitely some huge celebrations in 2023. Yeah, certainly we saw a lot of that movement, which was so good mm -hmm. and just exciting uh, in a world right now that that, it, that does have some uncertainty mm -hmm. on a global uh geopolitical sense mm -hmm. and yet to see still these kids come that needed to come home come home to those forever families mm -hmm. and uh you know jane i 
I miss that you're also, by the way, are a TBRI practitioner <laughs> through the Karen right. Purvitt Institute of Child Development during your introduction. Um, and one of the things, though, that I love, whether or not you're TBR trained or not, is that whenever we do have a child that's been matched or a, mm-hmm. a great story, you know, I, a lot of times, you know, being in my position, I hear about the things that need to be fixed, the things that <laughs> we're not doing well, the things that we need to augment or change. But I love how you bring all of those stories to, to real life. And, and even really before we pushed record, you were showing us a, a, a little one from Kyrgyzstan who'd just been matched. Talk to us and tell us a little bit more about some of the specific waiting children whose lives have been impacted over the last year. Yes, thanks, Herbie. It's an it's really an honor to talk about our waiting kids and they 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 really do hold a special place in my heart. Um, I am a very strong advocate for our waiting kids, but older children and sibling groups just um, wow, just make make the world of of difference and they need Jesus and they need moms and dads. And so a couple of uh, kiddos that kind of come to mind this year was uh, one little guy out of our hungry program. Uh, He was uh, pretty young, um, around eight months or so when we matched him, but he had some some significant special needs that allowed him to be adopted a little bit younger age. And we just had a family step up, step forward immediately Mm -hmm. to want to bring this Mm -hmm. little guy into their home with with challenges that will be lifelong mm. um, for this family as they as they take care of him. So I'm just pumped about um, about seeing that little guy come home. And then one of our sweet, sweet families that had lived in the China program for a little bit and due to all the, the nuances there was not able to move forward in China. They they were in another program for a mm. short time and mm. Could not move forward there, but at the end of 2023, brought a set of twins home from Mm. Bulgaria Mm. and um, along with some needs that that will be lifelong caring for these kids. But families who are just open to our kids and being able to provide homes and and gospel centered homes for our waiting children, it just... it's a celebration every time it happens, every single time. And even in our um, Latin American countries, this massive number of sibling groups that have come home this year. Um, I just can't get over it. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, I know uh, Carla was just even telling me the other day that, you know, as we look back at our stats, you know, 48% of the kids mm-hmm. that came home last year came home as a part of a sibling group. And what a, what a beautiful picture when children are not being mm-hmm. separated and, 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 you know, while inter-country adoption is beautiful, it's also messy. And, right. you know, going back to the aforementioned TBRI, you know, it can create <laughs> even some trauma in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being removed from your culture, but to know that you're able to do that with a sibling and yeah. you're able to, to, to stay together as that family. It's, it, it's a real, it's a real beautiful thing. And, and, you know, to also just highlight, I love the picture of having, these children, while they, many of them were four years older than we expected, mm-hmm. come home from China, mm-hmm. who truly had been waiting much longer than anyone would have ever imagined. And, uh, you know, we continued to pray and, and, and hope that that the rest of the waiting children will come home, yeah. hopefully in 2024. But even as we look forward to 2024, you know, Carla, I know you and I have talked a lot about that a lot of times when families right now are calling, they do want to know what's going on with China Mm -hmm. because, you know, right, wrong or indifferent, China had been 
the go-to country. Mm-hmm. It had been kind of the the poster child of intercountry adoption. How do you do it right? Mm-hmm. How do you do it well? How do you do it organized? And yet now with a program that appears to at best be suspended with all of these delays because of COVID and, and other things, what would you just say to people that want to know what, as we head into 2024, what, what is that landscape and how has it changed in the last five plus years? Yeah, that's a great question, Harvey. And, um, you know, we've, we've really started to watch the trends and patterns and, and try to give families some really good guidance, um, in a program that is ever evolving, challenging, you know, all those types of words, but the current landscape of international adoption, like Jana and Herbie have both alluded to, um, we're seeing older children, um, the average age of child adopted through Lifeline in both 2022 and 2023 was seven years old. Hmm. So that's definitely a shift, you know, from what we had been seeing, you know, prior to COVID, prior, you know, six, seven years prior, um, the increase in sibling groups um, being adopted and eligible for, for adoption, and then children with more moderate needs, just a shift from the minor needs to je- definitely towards more moderate. And the thing that I really like to share when I share about the landscape is I love how the Lord has gone before Lifeline and set us up for this season. Mm -hmm. Because even Mm -hmm. back in in the early 2000s, when we were first starting our international adoption program and, you know, Herbie was going into the central authorities and and setting things up for us, we were asking for these children. We wanted to serve the most vulnerable. So we wanted to know where are the older children? Where are the sibling groups? Where are the children with Down syndrome? Where are the children that are blind and deaf? are the children we are called to serve. Um, At that time, it was really unheard of for the central authorities. It was kind of baffling to them. But I love how the Lord has used that to set us up for where we are today. Um, And recruiting families, knowing that this is our mission and this is our vision. Um, So current landscape, like I just shared, but also I talked to a family the other day on the phone and they said something that was so impactful to me. And I hope I don't cry. Um, But if we all cry, it's okay. They said, you know, Carla, I think the key to being successful um, in the Lord's eyes in an international adoption program is holding things with open hands. Um, Just knowing that maybe the Lord is going to use one country, one Mm. situation, one story to bring us into this program, but having open hands for where he wants to lead us and take us. Mm. And I think that's so true with just the ebb and flow of countries. Mm. I think China being suspended has been just real eye opening to us as far as um, the unknowns of international adoption and that it is, you know, kind of unsteady ground, but the steady thing in any international process is going to be the Lord um, and following him. And we've said this a lot to our China families over the past four years, but yes, we rely on governments for referrals and approvals and, and, and all those kinds of things. But our hope is ultimately in the Lord because we know he will provide, Mm -hmm. Um, and we've shared with families, the program you are in, you are in because the Lord has led you there and he has called you to that program, that child, not really because of anything that we are saying or sharing. Mm -hmm. We're here to guide you. We, we want to be 
set good expectations. We want to be transparent. We always want to be honest and ethical, all of those things. But it's truly that you're following the Lord that we want to support. Yeah. Carl, I want to, I just want to affirm that. And, you know, there was something, there was something Jana said um, back telling the story of one of those families of yeah. moving through, mm-hmm. you know, two different programs to finally get to, um, you know, to get to the two children that they brought home from a third country mm-hmm. and a third program. Yep. And I think one of the things that we learned, um, we, you know, we went into every one of our adoptions with a plan. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like we had a, we had a plan, we had a destination, mm-hmm. we had it all charted out. We knew, you know, in our minds we had, you know, I've like never heard that Rick, the movie, <laughs> the movie was produced, yeah. right? Like we, we knew. And, mm-hmm. and the thing is mm-hmm. like it, like it never turned out that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And, but man, what, what the Lord taught us through that mm-hmm. process, yeah. what we, um, you know, the ways that, that we, that we grew. Yeah. Um, but I think I think maybe one of the biggest ways that we grew was in a confidence that that we didn't know. Yeah. But God did. Mm. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, we see this so much, too, in families that come in, like you said, with a plan. Yeah. I'm supposed to adopt, adopt a little girl who's two years old and this is what she looks like. And, you know, my experience now, I'm able to just you know, kind of nod and trust, you know, that I I know the Lord is, is at work here, but it's been so encouraging to see families as they learn more about the need, because the need is for the older children, the children with moderate needs, the sibling groups, as they learn more about that, that they're able to pivot Mm -hmm. and really fulfill that need um, that's out there. And just like you said, just seeing the growth that happens, um, Jana and I, and I'll include, you know, um, Rick and Herbie in this too, we are fixers. And if if we can <laughs> fix something in a process, we want to fix something. Right. But y'all, the Lord is where he works is in the challenges yeah. and in the hard seasons. And we know enough from our experience that we can relax in those moments. And we really want to encourage families there is so much to, like you said, learn and glean in the weight mm-hmm. that that is where I think the Lord truly works in this process. And there's a lot of opportunity for that in, in international adoption and just being open to that as you are starting a process. I, I think I've told this story before, but in in our first adoption, our first trip to Ukraine, um, we had some we had some challenges along the way in you know just in our time in country and bringing Eric home and um, and there was a point where it honestly looked like it might not happen and and we were we were well into the process and way into it and and uh, and we you know we got this piece of news and it was kind of unsettling and you know and then. We were promptly taken back to our hotel (laughs) and, you know, dropped off. And so we're sitting there in the hotel room um, with a TV playing um, curling in Russia. (laughs) So it was so there was no distraction, you know, right? Like we were just sitting Mm -hmm. in it. And uh, and I remember I was like a caged animal. (laughs) Like I was walking around and I was and, you know, and just frustrated. And Denise looked at me and just started laughing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just was laughing her head off and she said, you just, you're, you're hilarious. She said, you, 
because you want to pick up the phone. You want to do something. You want to fix this. You want to, mm-hmm. you know, like you want to, you want to like make it happen. And um, y'all like what the Lord taught me through that experience. Um, yeah. Being helpless. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think the privilege that we get so many times to walk with families through that helplessness and to pray with them and mm-hmm. to encourage them and to stand with them yeah. and but also to to watch the Lord's plan unfold. Yes. And and I think you know that's part of what I think Herbie and I stand in wonder of mm-hmm. you guys are in it every day. Yeah. And you're leading teams that are in it every day and and we you know we get these little glimpses and little mm-hmm. little you know dips into it but I think so you know Jana, I think there there is a view of international adoption um, that people look at where we are and they look at the numbers and they mm-hmm. look at the, you know, what was going on 20 years ago and, mm-hmm. you know, 20,000 kids a year coming home and all that sort of stuff. And 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 they look at where we are now and and they and they sort of like there's a little bit of feeling defeated. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I, you know, I'd love for you to just talk about the decline mm-hmm. a little bit and, and, you know, why we are where we are. Um, but, but like, what does that mean for 2024 and, and what are the opportunities? Cause like God's still moving and we're still seeing incredible stuff happen in that. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. yeah. I thank you. I, I do think some of this decline can be positive because I do think that there has been growth in some of the countries where we are working with their domestic adoption processes, their procedures, uh, their programs, um, children being able to stay in their home countries, Mm -hmm. um, being adopted domestically in their home country, or even being adopted by a family member. So I think that's one reason for decline. And I think that that's very positive. Um, I also think that as we've seen that grow, then the, you know, the 20 years ago, the younger children, two-year-olds, you know, very, very minor needs are being adopted domestically yeah. mm-hmm. and they're staying staying in their home country. So that's another reason for mm-hmm. for decline. And I also just think that, um, you know, trends in the U.S., they shift. That's right. uh, there's been a shift from everybody kind of really pouring into international adoption and wanting to do international adoption uh, into other areas of, of maybe foster care and um, adoption within the United States, which is totally great. I'm all for that. I did that for a long time. So, so again, I think that that's another reason for decline. I also think we're seeing older kids, you know, Carla, the average age is seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the need is so, so great mm-hmm. for our children who are older, our children that do have uh, significant needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that families are, in a sense, I don't want to necessarily want to say scared, but just unsure. Can they do that? You know, and what is their capacity as a family? And so as we dive into that with families, we want to walk alongside them. Um, We want to help educate them. We want to help them define their capacity. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're having fewer families, you know, be able to, to reach out and do that. Uh, But again, need is still there. Need is still great children are still available for adoption and needing homes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, there's a little bit of that, that going on. 
Well, you know, by percentage, I think, and I don't know that I have a study to back this up, but I think just <laughs> subjectively, you you look at where we are today, and and by percentage, the children who like the most vulnerable, as, mm-hmm. as you said earlier, Carla, are being like are being brought home, yeah, and and are mm-hmm. and are finding forever families, mm-hmm. and that's that's so much greater than it was you know, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and that was so rare back then. And it's, it's pretty common in the kids yeah. that we're seeing come home today and, and just the incredible impact of that. And I, and I think we, you know, we just can't fail to, yeah. you know, fail to see that. Yeah. Before we leave that question too, I just want to share, you know, over the last year in the United States, even we saw a couple of larger agencies close and mm-hmm. we saw mm-hmm. um, agencies that are leaving certain countries, you know, for for various reasons. But I want to share in that general decline, Lifeline had a, had a wonderful 2023 mm-hmm. as far as seeing an increase in overall international applications. We celebrated that very much at the end of the year. And we also saw an increase in the number of children coming home to forever families. Um, And Jan and I actually just got off a meeting with our foreign providers from all over the world, which you guys looking at that screen, it's, it's like a little glimpse of heaven to see all the different people and cultures. And we really celebrated that number with them. Um, amidst the overall decline and the discouraging numbers that we hear that the Lord is blessing Lifeline and Lifeline is growing and just wanted really to commit to them Mm -hmm. to, you know, supporting them and partnering with them as they seek to serve um, the vulnerable in their own countries. Um, But those statistics are, you know, they're numbers, but they represent children that today have moms and dads and warm pajamas and beds and and meals Mm -hmm. and most importantly are learning about Jesus every day Mm -hmm. and experiencing the love of Christ um, in their homes. So those are numbers we're definitely celebrating, but especially amidst an overall decline. So if there's a family that's (laughs) listening to us and, you know, they're, they're feeling, you know, a stir, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to say a calling to adoption Mm because I think that's something to, you know, really work through and discern what it is mm-hmm. that God's doing, but they're, you know, they want to, they want to know more. They want to understand about international adoption. Um, you know, what, what advice would you give them, Jana? Well, <laughs> this is just like, this is like one of my most favorite things to do. <laughs> so I absolutely love to talk to a family who is thinking, we think we might want to do this. We don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Call me, call us, call Carla, call myself. Anybody on our team mm-hmm. would be able to have have a, a just a call with you, spend time with you. Uh, the beauty of Zoom and team Teams calls nowadays, since COVID, it just makes us getting to know you a little bit better, even on that very first yeah. call. So, call us. I think one of the things that that we don't shy away from is being help you, being able to help you discern, mm-hmm. you know, what is a good direction. You know, let's talk through some things you really need to think about before you make that decision on 
special needs that that you feel like you could bring into your home. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about medical special needs. I think we have to really be clear about that. There are kids that have lived an institutionalized life that are going to be behind developmentally. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they should be in the fourth grade, but they're on a kindergarten level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we got to be ready for that. Yeah. You know, we're going to help educate you with all of our tools and resources that we have here through our Rooted in Love mm-hmm. conference. So I think, you know, the discernment of that capacity, we use that word a lot, but I think it's really important. But call us. We want to do that with you. We want to help you make a decision on on a country. Um, we we there are needs everywhere. So it's it's pretty much you know wide open. Certain countries have certain restrictions and we'll talk about all that too. But if you have that that stir, just like you said, Rick, then call us. Let's talk. Let's yeah. talk. Um, it's really it's a joy for me and our team to be able to to spend time with you on the phone. Well Certainly, we need as many families as possible to come forward if they are equipped and if they are ready. And certainly, we will help even further equip them with all of our TBRI <laughs> practicing. Uh, practicing. But, just made a word. <laughs> but, you know, I think there are families that their hearts are stirred. They see the pictures of these kids. They see the, the vastness of the need. They hear the numbers of how many millions of orphans mm-hmm. and vulnerable children and displaced children are around the world. They even maybe see, you know, um, the, the kids that are at the border or mm-hmm. kids that are, are troubled during times of war or conflict or strife. Um, what would you encourage, though, those families that see that? But they know for certain they're not at a place mm-hmm. where intercountry adoption is something that they should do. What, what advice would you give them? How would you lead them? Um, what, what, would, what can they do if they aren't called to adopt? Oh, this is where I get excited um, because I love talking about seeing the body of Christ in action. And Herbie's right. You know, after prayer and just you know, a lot of of soul searching, every family may not be called to actually bring a child into their home, Mm -hmm. but there's something every family can do. Um, One thing that we've really, um, over the past couple of years, just seen great response to is families stepping in and providing grants Mm -hmm. for the families that are um, taking this leap and actually applying and going through the process and bringing a child into their home. Um, We have maybe five or six donors who are specifically saying, I want to see a child in a home where they're learning about Jesus. And um, so that's been exciting to watch. Um, Those donors are able to give to our Hope Adoption Fund, Mm -hmm. um, which is an internal fund here at Lifeline that we use to um, help families um, in, in, in whatever way they need, provide scholarships, help along the way. Um, those same Hope Adoption Fund donors have also stepped up over the last couple of years in some more specific ways. And um, I was in Costa Rica, gosh, actually about a year ago, about this time last year, and we met a little girl in one of the homes who um, it had all of the capacity to communicate, Mm -hmm. um, understood language, but she couldn't, she couldn't do anything verbally. (laughs) So we got to talking to the people and saying, you know, what does she need? How can we help her? Um, And they said, actually, what she needs is a laptop and some software. And we're like, (laughs) well, okay. So 
we could do we can do that like we can help with that mm. so bringing that need back to donors who said of course like let's mm. help that little girl mm. communicate and verbalize mm. and be able to share her needs and um, communicate with her caregivers so I'd say just big picture the, the hope adoption fund is a great way for families to get involved um, supporting other families prayer is another mm. just huge way um, to support not only families but to support our team here at lifeline um if we could have around the clock prayer that would just be amazing um and definitely needed um but there's just the lord is moving and doing so many things um and we just you know appreciate having people pray that we have wisdom and clarity um for all the all the things that he is um wanting us to do as we support families and just prayer for those families that are stepping up to the plate and bringing these children home I would I would also add one thing to that, Carla, is, you know, advocacy mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a huge part of what mm-hmm. we need help with. Yeah. And when I say that, you know, if you are on any of our social media platforms or whatever you call it, I'm not very technical. But when if you're on any of that and, and you see any of our waiting children, yeah. please share, please share those on your, you know, share them with your church's uh, adoption support group or foster care support group. Um, pray for these these children. I'm thinking of two right now that we've been recently advocating mm-hmm. for that that I'm really just the Lord has impressed upon my heart. Let keep trying, keep trying with families haven't stepped up yet, but that's okay. We're going to keep, keep working at it and keep praying. So, so let's, let's bring that awareness, you know, continue to bring that awareness in that advocacy piece. Um, and, and it's, and it's not hard to do, you know, so let's, let's, you know, we would appreciate any of that partnership along with you guys as we're advocating for our waiting kids. And, and just, just an aside, it, it works. You know, the, one of the things we want people to know, is like we have story after story after story mm-hmm. of of where you know we've we've shared on social media and and just yeah. these incredible connections of somebody sharing and the the way that that you know and, and so that's a really meaningful way mm-hmm. that people can get engaged yeah well kind of as we close i think let's do two things like first of all like how can we be praying for our country adoption but even as we look there are new programs in 2024 and so you know, what are those new programs and how can we even be praying about these opportunities within these new programs? Yeah. So very exciting times as far as new opportunities for families and opportunities to serve the vulnerable. But we, at the very end of 2023, we opened a program in the Philippines that was long sought after, long prayed for. Um, So we've got the Philippines and then we are currently working on programs in Ecuador, Mm. Jamaica, El Salvador, and potentially a few others too. So just pray with us for specifically the work that goes into that, the discernment for where the Lord wants us as a ministry across the world. Um, But we're very excited, again, to serve children in in new countries, new opportunities, but to provide our families with those opportunities too. And so I, I think even as we close, you know, certainly we think that intercountry adoption is a beautiful way for families to continue to grow and to take care of these kids that are waiting. But let's be praying. Uh, 
And and two, let's let's pray for these families and these children that have have been waiting now uh, four plus years for their children to come home from China. Let's pray for those families in the process who are waiting uh, because, like Doctor Rick said, it doesn't go along to their schedule, or um, you know, interruptions have happened, or there is a less expedience, less an expediency in in different bureaucracies. But let's also pray for the children, the children who need homes and might not even be able to get homes, knowing that through God's word, it says that he is the father to the fatherless, the defender of the orphan, the defender of the widow. And so as you pray, pray on behalf of those children, pray that they'd find families and pray that the Lord would establish and strengthen those families who are seeking after them. We're thankful for these young ladies. We're thankful for this program. We're thankful for the Lord that allows us to do these things and pray that you will go to lifelinechild.org to learn more about how you can participate in intercountry adoption, either through yourself or by coming alongside and supporting someone else. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.